What's up, everybody? It's the Hackcast. It's your host, Jordan Clark. You already fucking know. I got my co-host, but I would really describe him and our friend Elizabeth. They are two perfect angel babies, beautiful, basking in the sunlight, cherubs. I am Christ reborn. All shall love me in despair. Look at how perfect you are. You guys are so beautiful. I don't even know what to say. But we're going to get into it today. Our friend Elizabeth, incredible playwright, actor, musician. You know, we're going to talk about recovery. We're going to talk about what it's like to be a woman of color right now in, a, in you know, really fucked up America and in a particular very fucked up, secretly, incredibly racist place, Boston, Massachusetts, you know, that has a, a very big, big veil of progressivism that covers up a lot of the, you know, existing racism. But I wanted to talk quickly about before we started recording something that I mean, Elizabeth were talking that was bringing up to me about a uh, we were talking about sort of, you know, how when Moonlight came out, incredible movie, if you haven't seen it already, like objectively one of the, you know, most well edited movies I've seen in the last 10 years, just fucking gorgeous. Like you take the race aspect out of that movie and it's still incredible, like did not get the recognition it got Then a year after Golden Globes, like just was hammering out awards to like del toro uh you know latin american man jordan peele which they obviously deserve those things but it's like we're kind of and i feel like we were talking about how this is like sort of the veil now where places are you know in response to massive outcries are doing like literally the bare minimum like the bars on the fucking floor right now and people are like these companies and all these folks are just stepping over it but there's a new tony awards thing going on Tell us about it, Elizabeth. So uh, there's this thing called the Antonios, and it was started by Broadway Black. So Broadway Black is this uh, social media presence uh, ran by a Broadway performer, uh, Drew Shade, I believe his name is. And, uh, you know, like right now, the same things that you see that is happening in America with regards to racism and the racial tension is the same thing that you're fucking seeing with Broadway. You know what I mean? Because white supremacy mm. like permeates and sort of weaves itself in through the fabric of like pretty much everything that's American. So, of course, the American theater True. is like, you know, white supremacy, like whatever. And, you know, um, so a lot of times, similar to like the Golden Globes and the fucking Oscars, like black and brown folks yeah. are like not considered for some of their performances. We it's we're barely in the room. Like if you think of like shows that, you know, True. famous shows like Dreamgirls, Once on this Island, these shows where all the bodies on stage are black and brown. The people that actually wrote the shows are white and that creative room is usually white. Uh, and so it's like, you feel that. And usually you're like a token black person coming in and just doing whatever, singing the big notes, doing the big riffs. And then like, you have no real depth yeah. or like whatever. Do, do you feel like there's a lot of typecasting happening with you? Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, um, I remember, I can't remember. I think, uh, the woman was named Amber Iman. I think that's the performer's name. And there was a show, her first Broadway show, I believe that she was doing like the producers and it was an all white team. The producers were like, here, go to churches and sing these big numbers, you know, just her. 
And she's like, but why? Why do I have to actually go to churches and like do the marketing in that way? And they were like, well, because black people don't read. <laughs> what the fuck? And, Whoa. <laughs> and so it's like, Yikes. Oh, okay, so let me go to this fucking like pl- these places and like do and shuck and jive basically, you know what I mean? To like get you a, a diverse <laughs> oh, quote unquote audience, right? Uh, meanwhile, you don't really even care that much about my blackness. You just know that you can sell it, right? And so, and that's Mm. a thing. And so with the Antonios, they were just like, and what was great about them, and they're on YouTube, if anyone wants to look it up, um, is that it was like fun and joyful and like so so much talent, but it was also like talking about black folks that have died because of police brutality. You know what I mean? It talked about George Floyd. It talked about like Ron Taylor. Like it like went there and still on the other side of that, it was like joyful. And I was like, what the fuck? Fuck the Tony Awards. Like let's do this shit every, (laughs) every year. Cause it's hell yeah. It was so great. But yeah, no Broadway is like racist as fuck. And the thing that, um, that people, you know what I mean? Cause like there's a thing with white gay men, uh, who also like to somehow, feel as though they they own black women's bodies, you know what I mean? Um, and the way that we talk or the way that we walk or like our physical bodies or whatever. And they forget, you know, even though they've had to struggle, of course, you know, there was a struggle, but it's like this, forget that you still are a white man in power and you still, and Broadway still run by like billionaires, like fucking this one dude owns five theaters. He got those five theaters on his 30th birthday. His mom, who's a producer, gifted him with five fucking theaters. I was like, here you go. Well, that's what I got on my on my thirtieth. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, me too. Yeah. You didn't so get Elizabeth. Up. You didn't get five theaters, dude. I, we all get five theaters. I, I mean, I'm still waiting <laughs> oh for my. Yeah, well, I'm still waiting for a lot more than that. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like to tie into your point. You're absolutely uh, absolutely right, and it's like it reminds me of uh, when I was watching. I didn't. I never watched these fucking award shows because it just makes me sick to my stomach. But it's like watching Ricky Gervais go up there and be like, y'all need to shut the fuck up, take your fucking award and get the fuck out of here because you're so detached from reality. And it's like they go up there and they accept, you know, fucking Joaquin Phoenix talking about how everybody needs to go vegan. I'm just like, Trayvon yeah, Martin right. and Philando Castile are fucking dead. And you want to go up there and talk about like fucking animal rights when like the police are treating people like worse than fucking animals. Dude, there's that is a huge thing that's happening right now is people are like, well, what about the animals? And you're like, well, let's just worry about the fucking humans first, please. Yeah, like, I'm like, are if you, fucking are you animals fucking can go serious? fuck themselves. Like if you're a fucking animal rights activist, you're taking the fucking backseat right now until fucking humans are treated with like fucking dignity. Like <laughs> yeah. that shit's blowing my mind right now. I'm like, dude, you want to talk about being vegan right now? I'm like, uh, you're excuse like, me. You're like 50% of the population of our country is treated like cattle and those are humans. So let's just yeah. move on to the real problem and here. Even shows a, like a bigger underlying problem that you can look at your fucking dog or like a cow and granted I'm vegan. So you know what I mean? But I'm not in your face being like, <laughs> you need to whatever. I hate vegans who are like that. No offense people out there, but come on, like your own belief system, like you can hold it for yourself, but that doesn't mean you have to put it on somebody else um but like the fact that you can care more about like this cow than a black man who was killed right in front of us and like the 400 plus years of slavery and like and then you know like it's just it's interesting i think those people need to sort of reflect you know those are the first people that'll be like no i'm not racist i have a black friend yeah <laughs> oh my yeah. god no dude yeah and it's like i mean but if you, you could... want to go get into it like states right now that are like well we, juneteenth is going to be a holiday now and you're like why didn't that happen 200 years ago 
Why didn't that yeah. happen in 1865? Why did it happen yeah. in 2020? Like some states obviously celebrated it and it was acknowledged, but we still were like, we're taking Columbus Day off and you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, all these other things. It's like focus yeah. on the, like if you don't think there's a systemic problem, just look at the facts. Look at what we ignore. Look at the communities yeah. we ignore, the the heroes that we don't celebrate and the heroes True. that we do celebrate like. Nathan Bedford Forrest, founder of the KKK. Like these people have statues. Yeah. Well, like right now, no, it's, it's all just very performative. It's a hundred percent performative. Yeah. It's like, look at what I'm doing. Like, oh my Lord Jesus. I I was um yeah. looking at um, you know, on social media with the the black squares and you know, whatever. Like, do your thing on social media, but it's just like that's not mm. enough. But you know what I mean? Or like friends reaching out and being like, all my white friends reaching out and being like, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, dude, if you weren't fucking reaching out to me like a few months ago, then why are you reaching out to me now? Stop it. Or like yes. randomly like putting money in my Venmo account and being like, bitch, I didn't ask you for money. <laughs> but also give Elizabeth money. Like she's not asking for money, but please give Elizabeth money. <laughs> we'll plug her at the end. But we'll also put the just Venmo give her fucking right money. Right at the bottom of the disclaimer, everyone. So please send money yeah. to Elizabeth anyway. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. We're asking for them. So. Yeah. Thank you. I'll let you guys, you guys get me some money. <laughs> but do you want yeah, one of my I, theaters? I got a couple. Yeah. We got a bunch of theaters. We'll just give you one. But it was like, uh, also, t- you know, kind of to that point, it's like, it's weird that, I mean, to, this is kind of off topic, but at all these rallies and all these protests, I've basically just seen uh, women that I know in the, oh, also happy pride, Elizabeth, happy pride fucking month. It's, uh, a women that I've seen in the LGBTQ plus community and basically no men like I it's crazy. Every time I go to a march, the percentage of women to men is staggering. I see almost no men at all these protests and almost all of the women are part of the LGBTQ plus community. And it's uh, it's definitely worrying. And it, I mean, I guess it kind of ties into the whole like people reaching out now, but it's like, you know, pe- people of color have been. Yeah, you know what I mean? Not to mention like the 400 years of oppression, but also more recently, like it's this there's systemic issues and it's not like George Floyd was the first. It's just that no, we yeah, we were just at a point where we can finally, you know, people are finally doing something about it. It makes me think of when I was a kid. Right. And so like right now we have the language for what's happening. You know, but when I was a kid, there was no like microaggressions. There was not, no like overt, covert racism. There was no like intersectionality and like all these words that are like popping up now. It's like we weren't able to describe what was going on. So unless someone said you're a nigger right to your face, then racism yeah. doesn't exist. Right. And so mm. when I, I remember when I was in fifth grade, like talking to like, I don't even remember his name, but I ain't going to blow up his spot like that. But I remember talking to this little boy uh, and he was just like, racism doesn't ex- exist. What are you talking about? You guys, it's so over. Why don't you just go back to Africa if you have a problem? <laughs> and whoa. I was like, okay. whoa, whoa. And I'm like, you're 10 years right. old feeding me. And, but, but as a black person, or at least in my experience, it was like, oh my God. Some, like, it feels like, it's uh, sort of like I've been gaslighted my whole life. Mm. Oh, yeah. Told that I, everything that I thought or saw or felt was wrong. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, like now, a lot of black folks like, see, we told you. You just didn't want to listen. You didn't want to like pay attention. You didn't want to see it. Because it also is a lot to grapple with. Thinking about like the fact that you can enslave a human being. But granted, that's why they had to say that we weren't humans. Because it's easier when you can just be like, oh, that's just that's less than human. I can like, you know, I can do whatever the heck I want to them. 
you know, um, but the type of yeah. evil that that requires, that's a lot to reckon with. And so it's easier to stay in denial and be like, you know what, that didn't happen. Stop it. But like, you know, people get mad. You know, when you think about 9-11, when you think about like the Boston bombing, it's like Boston strong every year, Boston strong or every year we have to remember. But you don't want us to remember what happened for 400 years. <laughs> like you don't want no. you don't see how that yeah, exactly. Affect. You know what I mean? It's like when it's happening to the person, you know what I mean? It's like. What a, it's it's no no you have to remember but then when you're thinking about this whole group that you have nothing necessarily to do with and that you could sort of just leave, take or leave then it's easy to to again dehumanize them and to think that their problem is not your problem no absolutely and it's like when especially in to your point like boston is like a really bad place for this like polite society exists in a very weird way in the city where the veil is like it's like once you know like I mean this is what fucking Zizek talks about all the time like the power of ideology right but it's like when the material force of ideology makes it so it's hard for us to actually see the racism in the city right because the material force is like all these like progressive colleges you know what I mean like all you know you know pride you know the pride parade like all these different things but it's like all that stuff doesn't really mean anything when Harvard pumps out every Supreme Court justice and half of them are fucking racist, xenophobic, you know, anti-LGBTQ+. But also the, the two examples you just gave are also mostly catering to white people. Like no, true. Large universities, uh, Ivy League schools, and I mean, pride is everybody, obviously, but like they push that in Boston, but the BLM, they're like... Well, hold off. Don't get violent here, y'all. No guns, please, please. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fortunately, in Boston, we've had it much easier than a lot of cities. Like the last three, I went to three marches yesterday, and only at one I saw police. Maybe, Elizabeth, you could talk a little bit more about your experiences in the city where it's like feeling kind of like a prop or feeling like, you know, um, just like fucking how racist this city is and like how you know because we're supposed to be like massachusetts california like we're supposed to be the gold standards for progressive shit and we're just i feel like massachusetts has really been slipping especially in like the last five years well like you know uh when i was younger there were parts of and i still don't even go uh there are parts of town that you're just like don't go to like i would not go to southie i would not go to charlestown charlestown i just like you know there were hmm and there are just ways that you, and this I think is for a lot of black folks, but for me, there were just ways that I was taught in order to survive and, and, and for my safety. Like I walk in a room, you know, and I immediately look around and I'm like, who's there? And it doesn't even, it's not even a thought anymore. It's just like, I walk in and I assess the situation and then I figure out how I navigate a situation so that I come off, um, like the, well, like the non-threatening Negro, I'm going to come in here and I'm just going to be non-threatening. You're going to be safe around me. Jesus. You know, like that. Oh, that that's, that's, that's just the reality. I don't mean to be laughing, but it's like that is, you know, it's it's fucked yeah, up that it's you have to do up. that. It's super yeah, fucked it's up. Yeah, it's super fucked up. Well, there's this, you know, there's this awareness, right? This this double consciousness, right? Uh, this, you know, I'm hyper aware from since I was a child of, my, of how I look to others, specifically how I look to white people and my relationship to white people. Um, and, you know, it, it and also along, alongside of that, you know, is this sort of uh, white is right and black is bad kind of thing. Right. And so I grew up with like white 
like my friends, white parents, they, my white friends, their parents would be like, well, we like Elizabeth because she's not like all those other blacks. That's the definition of systemic racism, right? That is like these people don't even, they say things like not, oh, she speaks so well. And you're like, what do you mean she speaks so well? Like dot, dot, dot. I can read, I can see the con- the subtext of what you're saying. Right. Yeah. And, and and it came from like even my Asian friends too. It like the way white supremacy permeates like just the globe um, is is crazy. And it's just you know and and though on the other side of that sort of is that I the way I grew up like I I thought that was a compliment. You know, I thought that you know I was taught to fear black folks. I was taught to fear. I was taught how to just be. You know what I mean? And I come also from an, an uh, my family's Dominican. My father is black, but he left because he was an addict and that was good. But he was left when I was really young. So I grew up with a Dominican mom and Dominicans have an interesting relationship with race, with blackness. Um, and so it wasn't like talked about really. But um, and so like even today I can't and I don't blame her for it, but I can't go to my mom and be like, what's it like being a black woman in America, you know, from the 60s to now? Because that's not her. That's not her experience. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's it's this sort of what I received was everybody else telling me how I should be and how I should talk, how I should walk, how I should whatever, which was in direct conflict with like the communities that I grew up with in where black people were also like, you talk white, you think you're better than us. You know, uh. there was so much inner conflict growing up as a woman of color, not necessarily knowing, you know, and always just looking at from the outside in and knowing that something wasn't right, you know, which I think actually led me into my addiction too. Mm. You want to get into that a little bit? Yeah, that sense that like nothing is right within you. Everything you think is wrong. Everything you, what you can't really trust your reality. You can't trust your feelings. Like um, when you're getting messages like that, then of course, you know, at least in my experience, of course you want to find something to make you feel better, you know? And so I, I swore I would never become like my father, you know? Um, but there was an ache and a, a void inside of my spirit, inside of my, inside of me that needed to be filled by something that would just make me feel better. Right. And so mm-hmm. I moved to California, started smoking weed and, you know, whatever. But like, for me, it was a way to just, to just get me out of my circumstance or get me out of like the way that I was feeling about myself. And so, you know, that then led to alcohol and alcohol was my drug of choice. And I was like blacking out from like the get. So I didn't start drinking until I was 21. Um, but that I was blacking out from the get and God knows, I don't know how I'm still alive to this day because of all the situations I got in. Cause I blacked out for years. I woke up in hospitals. I woke I up on the street. Like I woke up and like, I'm not going to go there, but, um, uh, it was all in service of trying to fill this thing that was missing and this thing that, you know, I just felt so shitty about myself and it just, it just was this constant hamster wheel. But as we know, or as we've seen, you know, in the 80s and 90s, you know, crack, again, alcohol was my drug of choice, but in the 80s and 90s, when you had the crack epidemic, it was like they were all just criminals because it looked black, right? And so they were just criminals that needed to just go to jail. They needed to throw in jail. There was no compassion. There was no empathy. There was no none of that shit. Like, they were just bad. Cut to, like, the 2000s now and, it, and the opioid epidemic, and it looks like a white problem. So now we have to give y'all compassion. We have to give y'all understanding. Y'all need to go to treatment. Yes. 
But then it, at, at the end of the day, the crack epidemic was started by the CIA fucking bringing a bunch of cocaine into the country. Fucking Ronald Reagan yep. being like, we got so many drug problems and they're here now. And they were like, here's a bunch of cocaine that we took from the cartels and we're selling it to you directly. And oh, now the black yeah. community is taking the brunt of the issue. And Reagan comes out the fucking hero on the other side. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously, like private prisons are also spawned out of that. So Reagan's like every all the white people are winning right now through the fucking like you know i mean this is part of like the new jim crow like this is where jim crow stopped and then they were like we need a new jim crow and they're like crack cocaine yeah you know uh police state and uh privatized prisons that is literally the new jim crow like those three things are it's not a coincidence that those three things happen all within the same five years, like the same and all that shit happened within the same decade. Right. New Jim Crow is off and they're like, we need a secret Jim Crow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like hidden in fucking plain sight. This, this Jim Crow is going to be secret and it's going to be 100 percent visible to everybody. Yeah. It's going to be we're talking almost two million people incarcerated. This is an open secret. But it's just so insidious, yeah. though. It's so insidious. Um, because like now when we look at it, it's like, oh, well we see it. Cause like with social media and like with, you know, and, and people being able to uh, record things and people being able to, um, uh, it's just, it's a different time. But like back in the day, it's again, you felt like you were crazy, right? You felt like you were just a conspiracy mm. theorist or you were just like, whatever. And like, you know, and then going back to my experience of treatment, you know, at first it was supposed to be a black and brown facility. And then a few months in when it, the opioid epidemic started to like explode, it became a white facility. And now we had to, the black people that were left had to like take care of the white folks. We had to show them how to cook, show Jesus them how to clean. Christ. We had to like, they, they got more sympathy. They got more empathy. They got more compassion. They, there was like this level of like entitlement where I was like, wait, we're all in here. You know what I mean? Like trying to, uh, recover from drug addiction like we're all like on the ground we've hit rock bottom we're here together but somehow y'all still think you're better than how does that even and somehow they they put you to work they're like elizabeth's the help you're like yeah. what the what fuck? the fuck dude it came from black folks however the person yo the person that ran it was a white dude who like every friday would fucking like have us all you know when it was still mostly black and brown he would have us get into the living room and he would get on his djembe drum and we would sing i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) (laughs) connect connect to your roots and come on let's do this together and you guys can make it you can do it and i was like who the fuck are you (laughs) it's yeah (laughs) it's but, you know, so it was just it was it's just interesting the way white supremacy just sort of like weaves itself through everything. But again, it's because it's woven through the fabric of America. It's like it's how we were founded. Right. So. Yeah. And I mean, for sure. And it's the people I mean, I grew up in an area that has like the most, you know, opioid overdoses in a single day in America. And it's like the people that I knew growing up, growing up that like got addicted to shit and didn't die basically were just like treated like princes they were like we're gonna send you to this ranch in new york and you're gonna ride horses and like we're gonna fly your family out and also things and like my friends are people of color were just like cool i'm gonna you're gonna get a fucking baton to the face in five years in prison yeah it's like there's a very you know pe- you know people always talk about how especially right now this debate is like how how people of color are treated differently when they're arrested it's like when they're also in the system it's also they're treated very differently because it's like this isn't just a police problem it's a court 
fucking prosecutor DA problem. That is also the fucking gigantic other fucking iceberg bottom of this that people just, I blows my mind. People are not talking about. It's like the fucking courts are the biggest problem because just look at how, you know, similar cases of a white person versus, you know, a person of color and just like how the sentencing is so different and how they're just treated so differently, like right beyond the arrest, how things are just different. It's like, that is a very, also a very fucking huge issue because just white people are just afforded way more opportunities than people of color in the you know United States court systems, like for sure. Well, even just even more compassion, right? Because the same way that like, you know, with George Floyd dying, for example, and being like, well, what did he do to deserve that? You know, it's like, what? Yeah. Really? And but when, then you have like, what the fuck is his name? Daniel Dillon, whatever the fuck, the guy that blew up, that uh, shot up the uh, Charleston church. But then him, it's like, well, what could have happened to this young man to make him go and do that? He was a troubled soul. And you know what? He's going to just shoot nine people dead and we're going to take him to Burger King. And then we're going to try to figure Burger out, King. You know? They brought yeah. him to fucking Burger King. And this is the interesting point is that like cops, uh, cops in America are not supposed to be judge dread. Like they're not supposed to be your judge, jury and executioner. Like, I don't understand. I don't know how I have to explain this to people. Like, they're not supposed to be, and even like I think about the comic book Judge Dredd, like Judge Dredd had more empathy than most American cops. But like we talked about in the last episode, police go to school for two weeks or whatever it is, like six weeks. They do six weeks training. Yeah. A lawyer goes to school for eight years to learn the same laws. Yep. How come? How can this police officer, who's really just yielding power around like a crazy person, making good judgment calls? acting like a responsible person in the community, protecting us. What, what, you know what I mean? What is pulling, what is searching someone's car for drugs when you pull them over for a light? What is that protecting? What, yeah. How is he protecting us? Yeah. And the fact that they are, they're making like upwards of $250,000 a year, right? So it's and they're like- getting hand downs for arresting people and they feel like yeah. a quota. Like, yeah. I don't even know if that's really a thing anymore, but a fucking quota, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And it's, they're just part of a, it's like issues where it's like they're part of a different literal wealth class, right? Because they're fucking making so much more money than the rest of us. They're part of a different, you know, they're different just class of people. They're on this huge power trip and they also don't police the areas they live, right? So it's like you want, you know, I don't know. There's just so many. The police just needs to be dissolved. There's just way too many issues and it would take way too much time to solve them. Like we need... Like people have brought this up point before, but like the group, a group of social workers to go out for these places. So when you see a guy shit faced at Wendy's, you're not like, cool. Turns out I'm also this is the 16th century. I'm a judge, jury, executioner, and I'm just going to deal with this whole thing right now versus a or, any social worker. If anybody out there knows a social worker, they would have just walked up and like, hey, do your shit face. Give me your keys. I'm going to park your car. Here's some water. You're probably wasted. Drink this water because you'll be super hungover tomorrow. All right, dude. Also, here's your Wendy's. I got your Wendy's that you were too drunk to get. Eat that food. Drink that water. I have your keys. Come to the station tomorrow. Peace, dude. That's literally all that needed to happen, dude. That guy was... It's just... Can't get into it, but it's like... They're just... The police just aren't designed for this, dude. They're just designed to fucking... I, people are shocked by this. I'm just like... They're designed to brutalize, you know, disenfranchised groups of people. Like, that's what they're designed for, and people are shocked when this happens. It's like... They just need to be dissolved. Like... Police need to be dissolved to a point. Social work needs to become a more pro uh, prolific part of society for a, in a lot of different ways, not even just police. Like my mom who works with homeless, drug addicted, geriatric veterans, like perfect example. Like that whole thing she does is all socialist. It's all social health care. 
and it works perfectly. There's no veterans that complain about it. It's just like we need to expand pre-existing things. Like one of the things that Sanders talked about all the time, like expanding Medicaid, expanding Medicare, like these pre-existing systems just need to be expanded to larger groups of people. Social workers, there needs to be a new group. They need to be expanded to deal with these sort of civil issues where it's like someone's drunk in the street, a homeless person. You don't need to send 10 cops to murder him with fucking machine guns. You know what I mean? Like literally shit that happened two weeks ago. Like, it's crazy, dude. Like these people are just could be not- spending more time educating kids instead of having a book it program where if you do a book report, you get a free cheese pizza from Pizza Hut, which I grew I know, up that doing. Is like, lit, that's though, make, dude. I did love I crushed so many yeah, books but, to but get but those you're pizzas. You're putting capitalism before people. Kids don't even know what True. capitalism is. And they're they're receiving Pizza Hut for doing a book report. They have no <laughs> idea what's going on. <laughs> but yet we can't teach insane. kids that there's systematic racism. We can't teach kids that worshiping the Confederate Confederacy is a is a is, is a detriment to our culture, a detriment to our society. It's hacked up. Well, it's I think up, that dude. that, right, so the way America is running, it's running the way that it's supposed to be running. It's just that people are waking exactly. up to, mm-hmm. to what yeah. that actually looks like and how that's affecting them. And it's just, you know, it, may, it makes sense that, you know, the police uh, aren't invested in actually the community. They're not invested in, in our well-being. It's like, it's always about, Capitalism. It's always about uh, getting paid in, in America. And I think that's that's why our society is crumbling the way that it is, because we're not focused on public health. We're not focused on each other's well-being. We're forgetting to see each other as each other, as one another, as how there's an invisible thread connecting all of us. And we don't see that. We're just thinking about filling our pockets, which is just, I mean, it's it's a silly power is I mean it's a hell of a drug. My, all that stuff and all that money brings to it, it it's just such a drug. And people, we're fucking addicts in this country, right? We're just like waiting for, give me some more money, yes. give me some more money, give me some more money. Re- not realizing that there's such a void, such a brokenness, such a spiritual malady, something that's so missing within ourselves. But all we do, we're in this, we're sort of we consume, we have sex, we all these sorts of things to get away from the fact that there's something missing with inside of ourselves. Now, if we were to, if we were really ready to fucking do the work, then maybe America would have a chance. And there are some people that are willing to do the work, but the people up top, we need to like fucking, you know, I don't even think that politics, I don't even think that it should be like a lifetime job. I'm like, no, there should be term no. limits on everything. Every position in government should have a term limit. Except for Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. She can stay in there. Well, she's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, but but AOC can she's in a position where she can continuously move up to a new position in government. That's true. You know what I mean? That's true. You could be I maybe just... a you could be a house rep and then you can be a senator and then you can be, you know, whatever in the White House. But yeah. having someone like Mitch McConnell in in the Senate for like 110 years <laughs> yeah. is a fucking a a detri- it's awful. Yeah, like Matt Moscow, Mitch is like, you know, like we're not going to do any we're not going to do a second round of covid things because the I actually don't want to tell anyone where the first money went. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. And it's like, you know, that whole that whole power trip and uh, all that shit is just, you know, these old white men are afraid to die. So they're just holding on to tons of power, thinking it's going to keep them immortal, thinking that their, you know, their progeny is going to somehow you know, they're like tr- weird transhumanist Epstein shit. Their progeny is going to somehow keep them alive and like all this power is going to keep them alive. It's so, I mean, it's a whole nother fucking topic of discussion. It's like total insanity. But yeah, I, it's tough to, and the other thing that I, you know, Derek just brought up, you know, to tie that in, it's like how many state reps and the, you know, Congress people have we seen out at these things? Like I've, the only one that I've seen 
at any protest I've seen him three times at was Joe Kennedy at, at the ones here. And then Alexander Ocasio-Cortez just yesterday out in one in Harlem, like reposting all these protests to go to. It's like I follow a bunch of senators and a bunch of Congress people, and I don't really see people reposting. Like I haven't seen Elizabeth Warren being like, yo, get out to Roxbury to this march or like, yo, I'll be at this march you know, at Franklin Park, or I'll be at this, I'll be at Funk the Police, or I'm going to speak here. And it makes me sort of question, you know, who or why are we voting for these people? You know what I mean? That aren't even, that are supposed to be representing us, right? Like Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez yesterday said that it's like, we are supposed to be, and Congress are supposed to be leaders. But the reality is, is we're not. You guys in the streets are supposed to be leaders, and then we follow what you say, right? Yeah, we, they're, remember, they're working for us. Exactly. We we hired them. Yeah, and that's that's sort of to her point. And I mean, we can talk a little bit about you know people of color and politics because there's basically none, right? And it's like you want there to be change, and you Jordan, want no no Jordan, <laughs> uh. Representative Gates, he, um, but Matt Gates, he was having an argument. They were having an argument, and he was like, "Some of us have uh, ch- children of color," and he's like this white dude. And then it comes out that he's thirty-five, and he has an adopted nineteen-year-old son who's from Cuba, and it makes absolutely zero sense. Yeah, but like to to talk to AOC's point, it's like you're not going to see change in Congress until we have more uh, people of color out there following people in the streets leadership. Well, that's why uh, I love Stacey Abrams. Like I love what uh, she's, she's doing with mm-hmm. regards to voting. And it's just, I think that, you know, we've gotten into a space where we believe where a lot of Americans believe that they don't have any power, you know, because the people up top are doing all kinds of fucked up shit and they're not seeing, you know, their lives are year after year getting worse. And then if you even think about the way that like some folks are being stopped, like with regards to voting and like all kinds of shit is happening. It's just like, God damn, how? But yeah. the truth is, is that a lot of people don't have power because of gerrymandering the electoral college. It makes it so you know, someone in Wyoming, their vote counts for three times what someone from Massachusetts counts. Yeah. So I was actually talking to Joe Kennedy about this yesterday. He was like, he was like, nobody has any trust in the federal government anymore. And he's like, we have to do something to change that. And it's like, it's hard to, you know, because there's the people who don't vote because they understand how these things work. And it's like me, all three of us, you know, except for Derek, because Democrats abroad is a little different. But me and Elizabeth, we live in a city and our vote literally counts less than somebody that lives in the suburbs. Like, what the fuck is but that? But actually in a federal election, I just I do vote in Massachusetts. So, oh, OK, cool. So you're yeah, you're with us, too. You're fucking you're worth less than somebody in the suburbs. And it's like (laughs) (laughs) and it's like, you know, all these things are done on purpose. And it's like, you know, even if they change like this is another thing I was talking about is like even if they change everything, everything, you're still not going to get these fucking kids to come out to vote. It's very fucking hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very hard. And it's hard to this ties in with our entire conversation is like. The ideology in America is so powerful that they just convince people. They convince people like, oh, Bernie Sanders can't win. Joe Biden is a safe bet. Hillary Clinton is the safe bet. Hillary Clinton is the safe bet. Mm. You know what I mean? Like we've heard these stories over and over again. And the DNC and these groups that are supposed to be for us. Right. And not even just for us, like for the disenfranchised, for our trans, you know, fucking LGBTQ 
people, everybody, people of color, they're supposed to be out there fighting for you the hardest. And they're just telling us, like, this is the way to do it. And every time they just fall flat on their fucking faces, dude, in these last five years, it's embarrassing. It's like there's our own party is so detached. But this goes you know I mean? right Not into what Elizabeth party, was saying, like, because people, everyone in office, everyone holding power, Joe Biden's 75 Donald Trump's 73. These people are they don't even have the same point of reference we do. Like yeah. they probably are they're inherently more racist because they grew up in the fucking 50s. You know what I mean? Like they yep. can't actually undo that from their brain. Like try as they might, they're still fucking awful people. A yeah, lot. And of it's them. even you yeah, you look at fucking the person who's like fucking um uh, pandering and cozying up to Joe Biden, like Kamala Harris. It's like, yeah, let's do the ticket that's like double cop double super you know historically has been very bad to people of color it's like just because kamala harris is a woman of color doesn't mean that she's not out there to fucking jail predominantly people of color because that's historically what she's done it's like that goes back to just how much white supremacy permeates every every piece of america every you know how woven in how woven into our society is because it's like people (laughs) people think that you know, I can't remember the black Republican who was just like wondering if he should uh, bring up charges for Breonna Taylor's uh, murderers. I can't remember the name or like Candace Owen or like, you know, and I'm not saying that's who Kamala Harris is, but I'm saying is that people get confused with just because their skin color looks like mine or like, you know, or some shade of mine uh, as a black person that they are on the right side of, of democracy. Is that the right way to say it? Or they're on the right side of things, yeah. like because it's like you don't you know you can fucking be dating a a, a white guy and he can be racist as fuck, <laughs> you know a black you know true and so it's yeah. not or you can have a black child because you married a you know the way De Blasio used to bring out his like black wife all the time and be like look at my black wife you know like <laughs> yeah. I mean that's what Mitch McConnell does he's like my wife's Asian I can't be racist See? and you're like and it's like oh, that's, okay that's, hell. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. It's there's so much more work that we have to do internally in order to like just sort of get rid of this whole situation. But like so you can have a Kamala Harris and a Joe Biden together and like it it just still look like a police situation because she in her inside and I'm not saying that this is her, but she inside could could be like look at the black person and be like, "Oh, they're just a criminal" without even thinking twice about it. Do you know? Yeah, what I mean? for sure. And uh, yeah, that's the problem with power. And, and like this that, also, and that's ties also into- the problem with bad education, like, yes. yes, power. But 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 these kids going to school, you know, if if you're a person of color and you grow up in an all white community and you go to a white kindergarten and a white elementary school, you might have that built into your brain where you're like, like Elizabeth says, like as a kid being confused, like, I think that this is actually true. Maybe I'm supposed to be inferior. Maybe this is like. This is all part of how everything works. But in reality, they've been educated by white people who were educated by white people who were educated by white people. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's impossible to see through all the propaganda, right? Because it's just so heavily embedded in our society. Like it's going to take like I, I always tell people this, like after I saw Jeffrey Canada speak like months ago, that's the way we have to do it is like Jeffrey Canada's approach where he just took one block in Harlem and he's like if we can't fix a single block in Harlem like what hope do we have right and he you know Jeffrey Cannon was like a teacher in um, uh, South End in Boston and you know just took this one area in Harlem and he's like literally picking up shit off the side of the street anybody who's part of a disenfranchised group or poor took them from like the cradle 
got him into college, like did this whole thing. And I, I don't think that there's ever going to be a blanket policy, a blanket law or any type of politician that's ever going to solve racism. I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like, if we want to start changing society, we have to start literally block by block. And it's going to take us maybe a hundred fucking years more, but like all more. these blahs and everything they tried years to do, it's just not ended and nothing has stopped. Yeah. Nothing is working. So we need to really start small. Like we need to start block by block, literally child by child and just like tr- try something different. And I think it's going to take a long fucking time, but it's like, we just got to do something. Cause fucking this shit is not working. Well, like people, I think, they, uh, I don't know how many people really fully, <clears throat> excuse me, fully realize just how made up all of this shit is. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think people fully grasp the idea that today I could write something up and then you, me, Derek can sign it. And now we have a contract and now we're going to go forth and like do all the things that those contracts says. And then we're going to get other people to believe the same thing. And then those people are going to get other people to believe the same thing. And it's going to go on and on and on and on. Yeah. Meanwhile, I just came up with that shit right now and you you guys signed it, you know what I mean? And it's 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 there's no it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't really it mm. only there's only meaning when a whole bunch of other people start believing in it too and then it starts to spread. And so like this whole thing, all this America, this whole world is just a bunch of made up shit that can at any time be broken down and you can start it again. You can tell a new narrative, but people just are like holding on to these ideals, holding on to their beliefs. And not realizing that's what's keeping you fucked up. That's what's keeping you stuck. You're not realizing that at any moment, things can change. You can start again. You can rebuild. You can get rid of shit. The way they, they write laws and policy and stuff like that over and over. I don't even know if people even fully know that. You know, but we still try to hold on to this idea of like this constitution. And it's just like, yeah, but when this was written, this didn't have this group of people in mind. We didn't foresee that America would become such a diverse sort of like... Uh, melting pot of shit, you know, and, and anyway, it's just, I wish people understood just how made up all of this really is. And that at any moment we oh, yeah. can decide to, 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 to restructure, to rat, get into radical action and radical restructuring and like, you know, or just end it all. Like right now I'm pissed that I have to do my taxes. <laughs> I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm like, what yeah. the fuck is my money going to? And look at fucking Trump who won't even show us his, his tax returns. Like, like what is this? So like, anyway. Yeah. Or Steve Mnuchin's disappearing money, but it's also like, to your point, it's like, the constitution was written by a bunch of rich white businessmen slave owners and it's like uh, maybe we should you know change how that looks because that's a very problematic demographic right now like maybe just scrap the whole thing and have it written by like a more diverse group of Americans that currently exist and proliferate all society it's like I, I still can't believe that people like worship the constitution like they do I'm just like look at who wrote that I'm like who does that who does that serve and who does that protect? You know what I mean? I mean? It, like, wasn't it Tom? Who drafted the Constitution? Was it Thomas Jefferson or was it James Madison? Anyway, w- the people involved, people like Thomas Jefferson, who literally raped his slaves. You know what I mean? Like these people were involved with making the decision. Uh, you know, uh, Ben Franklin was involved. He sent his son out into an electrical storm and was like, we discovered electricity. It's like you set your son out there. He's also yeah. cheating on his wife in Paris with like many women having children. Out of yeah. It's just like these Try people weren't even son. like, I understand the times were different, but these are not decent humans. Most of them. No. Right. But what, that, but what we do and the same thing, 
with the Bible. I mean, it's like, it's the same thing. Like, I think that these, these works, these things can be looked at as, as means to go forward and like to look and see, you know, how it applies to today, but we have to be more open-minded. We have to be more, uh, more, we have to be critical thinkers. We have to be like a lot, like, hmm. but, but it goes back to education, right? So like how you don't want the people at top don't want us to rise up. They don't want us to be educated. They don't want us to think for ourselves. They don't want any of that because then that means that we're going to be looking at them and we're going to be wanting their power or whatever. When realistically, a lot of us just like, can we just share? Can we have some equity in this bitch? Can we have some quality? You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's literally all about quality. This is the whole argument against people who are like, well, all lives matter. It's like, no, we get it. Like that. The point is, is that some lives haven't mattered for a long time. So this is the point. Like it, yeah. it's it's getting people on equal ground. We're not trying to turn this around and be like, we're gonna concentrate camp everybody else. Like it, it, it's a total misunderstanding on the message. And then they twist it around to be like, but we're all all lives matter. Come on, we all everyone cares about all of us, right? Please don't hurt my white son. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. if you think about it, think about with COVID-19 and just like just a few months ago before George Floyd was killed and before the protests, when people were like, you know what, for our economy, we are going to, you wouldn't mind if your grandmama died. Your grandmama would be happy to give her life in order for you to have yours. We need to get the economy started back up again. You know, <laughs> and it's just like, okay, so at that Yikes. moment. They're like the same people who were like, Obama's got death panels. Obamacare is going to put your, your grandma on the death panel. They're going to decide if she dies. They're like, grandma doesn't mind to die for the virus so let's go back to work it's the same literally the same people saying the same thing Mm -hmm. big yikes oh yeah this administration yeah it's a fucking mess but uh yeah so i'm about to head out to go to dinner so you want to do a final word here real quick elizabeth final word us uh i think that we need to be not afraid to get uncomfortable and to live in that discomfort because that's where change really roots itself in being uncomfortable. I think that we should not be afraid to look each other in the eye and have these sort of conversations, these difficult conversations. And I think we need to look inside at what is ailing us uh, and then speak on it so that we can begin to heal. If we're not ready to do the work, then nothing is going to change. You know, it's just going to be like, we're just trying to, right now it looks as though we're just trying to pacify the masses and we cannot be pacified right now. We need to speak up. We need to look each other in the eye and we need to have these deep conversations in order for anything to change. Yeah, get uncomfortable. And what could what 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 can people like me and Jordan be doing in this scenario? Like how how can we help mm. without interfering? This is a question that it 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 irks me a little bit. I don't want to get in the way. I want to help, but I don't want to also be speaking over anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I think that you know this is you have to um, talk to your family members. I mean, you've heard this before. Talk to your uncles, your mama, your friends, your whoever. And don't be afraid to call them out when they say some bullshit, you know, and don't be True. afraid to, to for to do that work of deep introspection and reflection and how you take up space in the world. Right. Like, how do I take up a space in the world? Where am I using my privilege in ways that is not serving anybody else but me? You know, um, and I think that it's just just continue to just move forward and wanting to like dig deeper and deeper and sort of unearth these things. Because once you unearth this shit, then we can really look at it and, it, and a light's shining on it. And then we can sort of change it and like, just read up, read up, whatever you, whatever you find. There's a lot of things on social media right now that you can look at. There's a lot of books that people are presenting. There are a lot of things that are people talking about and just 
sort of, I guess, ultimately, though, it comes down to not being afraid to look inside of yourself and see where you are racist, where you benefit from white supremacy and how you go forward changing that. Yes, very true. Yes. But this is we just like I feel like we got into it today, but we barely cracked the fucking this iceberg. So we're definitely going to have you on again because this was a super good conversation. But I there's just so much more I want to fucking talk to you about. Um, I definitely maybe we should get you and Lorelai in on the next one so we can have a real shit show of a podcast to be lit. Where can people find you? <laughs> this is treatment. Your fucking musical. It's lit. I've, I've listened to a bunch of it. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It's super impactful. It's, you know, where can people find stuff about this is treatment? Where can people find you on social media? How to give us that Venmo, dude. Let us hit you with those duckets. <laughs> I don't even fucking know. Shit. Uh, you, can go to, <laughs> uh, you can go to this is LLC on Facebook um, and just Google Elizabeth Addison and you'll find me. Cool. We'll put some links in the in yeah, the description. Yeah. What's your What's your Instagram? Uh, Elizabeth Addison three. Cool. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. This was fun, right. boys. I miss you guys. We love you, Elizabeth. We Thank lo- you so much you for too, coming Babu. on. And again, Babu, we love you. We're gonna miss you. do this again. I love both y'all. Yes. So why don't you give us give me an amen, both of you. Y'all. Amen. Send me an amen my way. Okay. You guys have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> amen. <laughs> love you.